Hello and welcome. I'm Franco, editor of PropMoto. This podcast is part of our MetaTrends campaign, where we try to uncover the big trends affecting innovation in the built world. In this series of podcasts, I talk to some of the investors helping move the property industry down its often bumpy path towards innovation. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the other three in the series. Thanks. Investing, at least as a professional, is a balancing act of conflicting interests. Investors need to maximize their return for their partners, who provide what they call dry powder in the battle for growth. They also have to think about the well-being of the companies they invest in, as they are the troops on the ground in the war for market share. And, of course, investors have their own interests to keep in mind as they are engaged in their own combat for investment capital. This balance came up in my conversation with Zach Ahrens, co-founder of Metaprop, a prop tech-focused investment firm based in New York City. Zach was early to prop tech. He was a developer and property manager at Millennium Partners for the early part of his career, and when he decided to follow his passion and focus on investing in technology, he was one of the first of the niche. Metaprop was one of the first accelerator programs focused specifically on prop tech startups. Since then, they have been busy investing in dozens of young companies. Zach has likely invested in more prop tech companies than anyone in the world. Here he gives a big picture outlook that underpins his and his firm's investment strategy. Every single task in every single real estate process from boiler room of the asset up to the boardroom of the asset, from looking at a piece of dirt in the ground to building that asset, ultimately disposing that asset. So from dirt to disposition, all of those interactions, all those touch points, all those constituents, all those people, have processes that need to function. They can all function more efficiently through the adoption of purpose-built technology. All of their processes must eventually digitize. I think by almost any metric, you could call Zach a successful investor. But I wanted to know what's successful. You can't see it, obviously, but I'm putting air quotes around that word. In investing, meant to him. As the fulcrum of the opposing forces of the investor and the startups, every venture investor has to think about their desired outcomes from every investment. Zach brought up the concept of ikigai, a Japanese term that means purpose of being. Generally, this is explained with a Venn diagram where four circles converge. These circles represent what you are good at, what you love to do, what you get paid to do, and what the world needs. The convergence of these is considered ikigai. Zach explained what he considers his ikigai, his purpose of being for his investment career. I think, you know, we talk a lot about finding one's ikigai, right? And so if I draw concentric circles around my goals, I want to be in the middle 
right? And so, in my opinion, you know, the best investors are a combination of people who care deeply about their fiduciary responsibility and therefore driving alpha and delivering the best returns, the highest multiples distributed paid in capital to their limited partners. Also investors who care about changing the world, you know, putting a dent in the universe, um, making an impact, right? That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be climate and sustainability focused investors, but it, it, it should mean that they're investors who do no harm. Uh, it should mean that they're investors who are trying to leverage technology to increase accessibility um, and access to information globally um, for those who need it. And then also, you know, another concentric circle is have they built great relationships with their entrepreneurs, right? Is Are they the next time, you know, entrepreneurs tend to be serial entrepreneurs, right? And so a great litmus test is the next time that entrepreneur does their next business, are they calling you or are they calling some other investor who's on their cap table or are they looking for brand new investors? And then I would say the last component is, well, have you built a, a firm, a franchise, you know, that you're proud of, you built a brand that you're proud of, you built a brand that outlives you, right? And so for me, I think it's, you know, somewhere in the middle of those concentric circles, right? My, my dream would be I'm the best at all four of those, right? But the reality is I probably won't be the best at any of them. <laughs> so I have to find, you know, where, where, where do I fit? Where Zach fits, or at least where he has fit so far, in the prop tech investing landscape is as a source of capital, connections, and ideas for early stage companies. He prefers the high stakes, high reward world of seed investing, investing in companies that are often nothing more than a concept. Investing like this means you have to take some risks, a lot of risks and invest in companies that don't always have an obvious road to success. This is sometimes a tough sell for investors who want a bit of clarity on where exactly their money will be deployed. Again, Zach thinks this is all about finding a balance, a balance between what his investors, many of which have large real estate portfolios themselves, want in the short run and what the long-term trend lines are signaling. Yeah, so, you know, I have to separate out my investing practice from like what I just need to know about to help my limited partners strategically, you know, um, either as a sounding board or as someone who's theoretically providing them with technology numbers. So like the stuff about, you know, what's my position on return to work? What's my position on, you know, business travel rebounding, you know, much lower than leisure travel or the, uh, going to be at the same rate or whatever. I tend to not let that stuff impact my investing. What I pay attention to from an investing perspective is very simple. I pay attention to the really big stuff going on in fintech right now. And that is going to be the big stuff we're talking about in prop tech in the next three to seven years. <laughs> 
And so as an early stage investor, that's really my signal through the noise. And then I think part of my secret sauce is figuring out how to extrapolate that into a real estate context. Um, so we tend to not get, we tend to pay attention a lot to the near-term noise because it's very, very important to the day-to-day P&L rent collection for our LPs, but we tend to not let it impact our investment thesis too much. I mean, I would say, you know, last year we leaned very heavily into single family and we leaned very heavily into logistics. Um, I think that was the right decision. I think the whole real estate world was leaning into those categories. Um, but we weren't necessarily, um, we were going to do those, we would have done those deals anyway without the pandemic. After years of studying and likely hundreds of investments into technology designed for real estate, you would think that the sector is starting to have diminishing opportunities for investment. Zach doesn't see it that way at all. Remember that to invest in early stage companies, many of which are guaranteed to fail, you have to be an optimist. And Zach is nothing short of relentless with his optimism for the transformative role of innovation in every aspect of our built world. We haven't even scratched the surface, in my opinion. We, we, we've yet to innovate in a meaningful way in like 100 years on building materials, right? I mean, what's the most innovative building material we have right now? Yeah, I think, I think the answer is wood. So, so if you look at all of the innovation in the past decade in building materials, other than graphene, which, which has thus far been a narrative mirage, um, it's cross-laminated timber, right? And cross-laminated timber is, yeah, it's awesome, you know, fire retardant wood, but it's wood. And we've been using wood build buildings for thousands and thousands of years. And so fundamentally, when people want to talk about real innovation in the built environment, they have to start talking about material sciences. We have to figure out how to build, you know, the price of lumber has gone up exponentially this year because of just basic supply and demand imbalances coupled with, you know, low mortgage rates, massive migratory patterns, um, and supply chain disruptions. But it's unacceptable how expensive it is to um, build a home right now uh, because of the lumber price. So if you want to talk about making real change uh, and meaningful impact, it has to start and end with our industry coming up with alternative building materials. And then it's not just about inventing them, it's about then figuring out how to distribute them on mass, how to disseminate them. And it's not just a supply chain issue, it's also a legislative issue, right? It's, it's, a, it's about getting building codes, zoning codes and fire codes across the country more standardized. It's about getting them more flexible you know, uh, CLT 
proximity timber is not even allowed in many different gigantic markets in the United States. So that is in a theoretically perfect world where I didn't have to worry about what we were talking about earlier, one of my concentric circles in my guy exercise, which is LP returns. You know, that's what I would be working on. I think the problem is we've yet to see how those companies can deliver a return that's commensurate with the return you get when you back a um, software company and, you know, ride it from idea to IPO and beyond, right? Zach and his team do an immense amount of work to understand both the real estate and technology trends that are affecting the property industry. But sometimes making early stage bets means getting behind ideas, even if you don't fully understand them. This is like, it's so silly, but it's all this stuff is going to happen. And I love like the dumb boomer shit. Like, oh, I don't understand it. What are these kids? I don't care if I don't understand it. I just want to do it just to be cool. And guess what? I'm going to make money. Like, that's what, don't you agree? Like, it's so silly that like we have to like understand all this shit. Like, just do it and trust that the youth know what they're doing. Because every generation is like on some shit, right? They make mistakes, but like that's why I just, I just, we, you know, I'm, I'm just never gonna be, I'm just never gonna let myself devolve into that shit. I just have to try and keep an open mind and hang out with, you know, young people. And and like try something before you don't like it. I don't like asparagus. Did you try it? No. Well, try it. You probably still won't like it, but like try it. You know. So, you know, are, are NFTs stupid? You hate them. Have you tried to buy one? No. Have you looked at them? No. Have you learned about them? No. Yeah, I read this one article. It's like okay, well, fuck off, right? Go and actually learn about it. I've interviewed Zach a handful of times because, as you just heard, he always speaks candidly about his opinions. What I learned from this conversation is that he is able to draw a line between himself as a person and himself as an investor. Obviously, he's influenced by his own interests, goals, and worldview. Even he's the first to admit that. But to be a good investor, you have to talk less and listen more. You have to be willing to trust other people who know more than you, and you have to be willing to try new things. If investing is a balancing act, early stage venture funding is a tightrope over sharky waters. Balance between all of the different parties determined to shake the wire for their own good is the most important survival skill an investor like Zach can have. This is likely why he has spent so much time thinking not only about the trends in the industry, but his investor icky guy, his purpose of being. This podcast has been sponsored by Jania. Take the stress out of security with cloud-based mobile access control from Jania. Instantly assign user credentials to smartphones or key cards right from a user-friendly dashboard. 
Genia Access Control easily integrates with identity and video management systems like Cisco, Merakai, Okta, and Google Workspace. Best of all, Genia's non-proprietary hardware solution saves teams the expense of ripping and replacing equipment. Plus, with 24-7, 365 support, you'll always have a Genia team member to answer questions. See how Genia has earned the trust of top enterprises and commercial real estate companies around the globe by visiting www.getgenia.com. That's www.getgenia.com.